Slot Talk Radio. Hello and welcome. This is Laurie Mitchell and I'm pleased to be back after quite a while. Coming back for At the Speed of Love. So today, uh, the, the show itself is really bringing into the manifesting journey the way to either enhance the relationship that you have or as you're coming into a new one, how to really manage it so that not only does it blossom as it should, but that later, much later in the future, you can regenerate what you need based on a really strong foundation. So the premise for a great relationship long-term to me is to make sure that you've got foundational building blocks to come back to at the times when you need it. Because there will be times in any long-term relationship where there just isn't anything happening. And I believe in forever love. So I've, I've been involved in a 27-year marriage and my journey just in the last couple of years has been separation to divorce. Um, the marriage was over very easily because it was time. And it doesn't dishonor or invalidate anything before that. And then um, li- we lived together for a year, and then I moved on for a bit, and I call it my wrong turn. I did some, uh, an Internet dating stint um, with one man, and it was my wrong turn. And, and that's where I really started learning about the danger of unconditional love as a preaching and total tolerance for someone else, and having an open heart, rather than learning about setting boundaries. And boundaries themselves are an identification of our own value set and then an application of that inside of a respectful union. So so the rest of that is you have to know yourself first. So so coming through that, I'm now back into a new start of a relationship and and I see the same thing that that it's beautiful in the beginning and you've got to protect the beginning. So the first date, the first adventures, bonding from whatever adventures or experiences you're sharing. All of those you are going to come back to at some point in the future and regenerate the love based on the honeymoon being in love phase. And that's truly what I believe is that you can you can be in love, shall I say continually? Mm, it's probably not fair. You can continue to fall in love again and again with the same person as well for as long as it lasts. So for me, I said I was only going to be married once because my father had been married 10 times. And I looked at that, and after many conversations with him, I realized that, that, that the common denominator in the situation was him. And one of my very last conversations with my father was when his 10th wife stole his money and left him to go back to her druggy boyfriend. Like, he cared about her, and he wanted to, 
to get her out of that life, and there she she just left. So it broke his heart. Okay, but but the conversation with me was, women just don't understand me, Laurie. So I feel for him, and yet I know the mayhem that he did cause in his life. I was from his first marriage. Um, my my childhood was an absent father, and that was a blessing in that sense because of the. Uh, the life that he chose and his behaviors and all of that. But at the same time, my decisions on life about that were, you know, I'm, I'm basically only ever going to be married once, so it's got to be worth it. You know, divorce, nobody has to suffer through from my, from my value set. Nobody has to suffer through uh, misery if it's not working or if it's a mistake, you know, or, or it's done or whatever. But I didn't see the point in marrying again and again and again. That was my whole childhood and youth watching that that play out. So, when many times in my in my first marriage, when I would think about that it was going rough, I would think, well, okay, if this is the only marriage you're ever going to have, is is this really worth it to give this up, or are you going to give it another go, or are you going to figure out something else? So I would then come back and, you know, we we like. I'm talking about I'd be like in the household being upset and instead of me being all fiery in my own corner making decisions, I would come back and try to open up the communication. And then, you know, then we'd make up and then it'd be great again. You know, we'd go on other adventures and have travels and we had two kids. One, our first son was born four years, four or five years after, pretty much after uh, we met. And um, our next son was five years after that. So, you know, like we had plenty of adventures and plenty of ups and downs, but there was a solid foundation. And our first date was a gondola ride in Venice, okay? So, you know, there was a Contiki tour of Europe adventure that I went on as a single woman, and I happened to meet my then-to-be husband on that trip, and um, so a sense of adventure was fabulous, and, and we were able, I was able to keep going back to that to, to stay with it. We had also made it hard to run home to mummy because I had moved across the ocean to be with this man and didn't have my family. And so it, there were a lot of things that helped me to be more intentional about working things out. We were both committed to that as well, as much as we were different. After a while, after many, many times of of going through the same loops that you do in marriage, I finally realized it wasn't cultural differences that we had, which I used to think, oh, that's why we're so different. It was that we were really just different. And, you know, the boys had grown up. um, We'd been on our own for a few years, and I just thought, wow, here it is again. We're in the same thing we've been doing for so long. And at that point, it just became not worth it anymore. It was just... Not worth it. So it was, you know, it was done, and we had one conversation, and we both agreed. Like, yeah, we we have a different value set. We are different, and and so it was it was easy. We hadn't made those mistakes that a lot of us do make. Like, we hadn't cheated on each other. We hadn't stolen each other's money. We hadn't broken each other's shit. We hadn't, you know, like thrown things around. We hadn't. Um, uh, you know, like name called. We we actually tried to keep it fairly clean and calm, as much as I'm fiery at times with, you know, passion. Uh, I still, I tried to keep those kind of fair fighting rules. 
And, you know, so it was easier to end it. Didn't mean it wasn't going to end. It, it just was. And there's obviously lots more to it, both sides, both ways. But the reality is, um, you know, we were able to live together, to, to flat together for a few years as well after that. And so, so, you know, and obviously not live together all the time, but, you know, basically share a household. The reality, and that's obviously without someone else in the relationship. Um, I don't know that it works any other way. But then uh, when, when I needed to, to go off and, and move out and do my own thing, you know, I hadn't set up what was important to me. I just thought, right, well, I'm happier alone, so I'm just going to do this. And then when I met someone else, it was all about the love. And I'm telling you, love is not enough. Love is not enough to have a good, strong, solid, happy relationship. And I can almost say you can fall in love pretty easily with somebody who's in love with you. Love is great. And falling in love is great. It's the compatibility, it's the shared values, it's a sense of respect, and it's also a very strong sense of appreciation for that other being. And so being really grateful for that being, that other person, that companion, makes it a really good start. And there are more things to it, but it really depends on your own values. So the... the, best way to get ready for a relationship is to, to make sure that you know what you want for yourself, what you want to give as well as what you want to be, as well as what you want to have, like receive. So it's giving and receiving, but it's also who do you want to be in a relationship? Because I'm telling you, in my first marriage, who I was was a demanding, strong person because I had to stick up for myself quite often. And then once that was established, then you know, everything went fine for a while. That's not very nice for the other person. And I certainly realized that that's not who I actually was. I wasn't this, like, bitch. I just had to be to stick up for myself because at times nobody else was. I was, you know, and and it's obviously cultural kind of joking about things and it just doesn't suit me. And, And so suddenly all these other people, my friends in my life, I just realized, wow, no, not everybody thinks the same way. And so um, it's very important to say, no, humor is so, to be on the same page about humor is so important. So very, very important. And find the stuff out before you get too far into it. My wrong turn, I got into it so quickly thinking, oh, this is, you know, this is the compatibility that I didn't have. It's not that I was looking to uh, to fix up what I had. It's that... I saw all the things that I really liked that I didn't have in my marriage. And it was, you know, it wasn't enough. It wasn't the, the so you can have a lot of things, but they, the weight value on them won't be as important as things like respect, okay? Respect for sure. Respectful conversation. And even if you were someone who's passionate, you can't be raising your voice up to each other. You know, it just doesn't work. I don't, I don't care which culture. Um, eventually it, it's, it's misery. It, see, what happens in a relationship is we get a slate. You know, we get a, like, it's like a whiteboard. We get a, we get a slate to fill up. And what we have to keep doing through communication and dialoguing and laughter and understanding and the other person's point of view and trying to please that person um, for things that aren't 
as important to you as they are to them, just letting it go and doing it their way and all that. You know what? You fill that slate up, then you have to wipe it off through all of that. So that's part of the process of you make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes, but they're going to make mistakes too. And the tolerance that you give them comes through how well they wipe that slate clean. It does not mean just saying, I'm sorry. It means being I'm sorry, doing I'm sorry. It means not making the same mistakes again and again and again. Um, and, and certainly, you know, working on it. Now, that slate can be wiped off, but if it's broken, you're done. Everything else will be on a foundation that's broken. So the slate itself, so some of the things that, that break the slate forever are um, lying and uh, deceit. Okay? Contempt is another well-known uh, attitude that ruins, that, that's a sign of a relationship that will eventually end, but it ruins relationships. So contempt is kind of like the eye-rolling feeling. No, that's not coming from appreciation, gratitude, or respect. So these are things that are like, I don't have, have to ask somebody to do that. I have to be that for them, and they have to show up that way too. Like it's, it's two-way street. It's, uh, yeah, and it can be so much fun, the foundation of laughter, or going and doing things together where you're looking at the other person to catch the joke or to, or to share the moment even if it's not just laughter, if it's like a moment of awe, going to a, uh, a waterfall together in nature, and then to just look at that other person and watch them enjoy it too. All of that, you're building up these foundations of experiences. And in the end, whether it ends, it's going to end, okay? Relationships all end, but whether they end because you agree for them to or because one person breaks the agreement and wants to go, um, and is ready, and that's the end of it, or, or because life is finished for one of you. Like the spark is, is, uh, of create, creation is gone, like you die, okay? Somebody dies. That's, it's going to end. So please, treat the relationship like it's precious. Grab the moments and make them memories, because that's what we're doing here. We are making memories. And what we do is, we use those memories much later to visit when we are not out on the adventures, when the, life, the time of life to do those things is now gone, when the people that are in those memories are gone. This is the point. And no matter what age you are, when you get older, and this is what I told my 25-year-old son, it's like, hey, when you look at these people, the silver-haired people that are out in the world, they feel the same age as you do inside. Like they think it's, they're still the same, but everyone else looks at them differently or, or their bodies look differently or feel differently to them. So, so enjoy it and make sure that, that you respect those people and treat them just like that you would treat a mate. They are young inside. You know, if, if they want to be, obviously, and if they can be. But, I mean, the mind is, just, is the same. It's, it, I was quite surprised as I started to get older and sort of realizing, wow, I still feel 28. <laughs> I, you know, and, and, and it was interesting as my sons got older. It's like, wow, yep, okay. There are other things, other adventures to do now. So I'm so glad I did those things when I was 25. I'm glad I was traveling around Europe 
when I was 25, you know, meeting a man and, and then taking off five months later to New Zealand to be with him because my mom had said to me, if it doesn't work out, you can always come back. And I was like, yes. And obviously, I, it wasn't flippant. I really wanted to be with this man. I was in Canada going, I miss him. So we made plans, and I crossed the Pacific for him. And we, we had 27 years, what, 30, 30 years now of, of friendship together as well. Um, lots and lots of great memories. It wasn't just daily grind. We made the most of it when we could through family life and children and difficulties and, you know, discord and mortgages and debt and all of that, you know. So, so the, the idea of that is to go back and generate what you can and keep the communication open and clear things. Now, there were a couple of years where I was sick and, um, you know, there wasn't much that we could have done except just hang in there. There were a couple of years where our youngest son was, from the time he was two to the time he was four or five, we just didn't know what to do with him because he, was, he had a very strong personality um, and had a learning disorder that we didn't know about, which turned into intellectual impairment eventually, you know, and, and the, all of that was such a challenge to us. Not just because he was different personality than the other three of us in the family, but that uh, that there was this frustration within him and then everybody else, the teachers and us trying to get him to catch up and all of that. You know, we we went through all that together. And we, we got through it, but it was sometimes just one day at a time. And then there were times where I had to go back and just touch base with who we were when we met. And I'm going to tell you something that was a mistake that, that I need to tell you about. Um, so don't damage the beginning. I've had the last two relationships where both of the men went back and they damaged the first date by complaining about it, by putting some negativity into that first date. That first date is what keeps you going, okay? The first four dates, five dates, whatever, protect them. And I know there are guys listening to this as well as women. We, both, we all have heart. We all have feelings. And even if guys seem you know, to, to, to not have it affect them or to not quite get you know, the ups and downs of women's emotions because they've just basically been able to just get on with things and soldier on, they still feel. And so just remember this whole first date thing, don't make fun of it. Hold it in a special place. Keep it because one day you will need to go back and find the feelings again that were there. You've got to go back and dig into the memory to find the reason that it blossomed. You know, the moments that were funny or that were close or that were special or even the idea of it and the meaning of it. So for me, to have a gondola ride in Venice, it was magical. And, the, you know, the, the idea itself was enough for me to go, wow. And I, and I remember sitting in there and looking around saying, wow, I'm in Venice and this is quite a good first date, you know, like it's, it was magical. And so were so many other adventures that I could then compare back to it. So it's not necessarily that you're going to have a first date in Venice. You know, it could be having pizza um, on, the, on a park bench 
um, I had a date once a long time ago that was um, a midnight picnic on a park bench after a, a baseball game, you know, and it was just stopping off at the corner store and getting some cheese and um, some crackers and just stopping. And it was like, it was beautiful, and it was not much of anything spectacular, and it was spontaneous. But that was a really special event. So make sure that you do hold those events very um, calmly and, and don't criticize them, don't pick on anything as a memory, okay, for the other. Look after the other's memory as well of that. So, I mean, that is part of respect as well. So, so in terms of you being able to attract the right relationship next, you have to be ready. It is about setting up your values. It's about setting up the boundaries that you know you have to ask for, and then as they come, standing up for yourself, but in a gentle, loving way. So come to your requests with a loving heart. Now, the whole idea of going back to the first date is connecting back to the source of first love. So think back to the, to the first love that you have or the, or the times when you think that you can go back to the first infatuation. It feels like infatuation, but that feeling of love, rush, attachment, all of it, the whole, everything about it, that, that it's not necessarily that it's going to be sustained forever, but connect back to it and then feel into that so that you can then pull through that source of love. Okay. And then ground yourself. Like think about all of this emotion and energy that's coming through in that memory or in that, in that circumstance and sending it all the way down into the earth. And just ground yourself so that the source of love, which is that beautiful first, 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 feeling, the in love feeling, is grounded and calm, all right, so that it's, it's calm, but it's broad and it's stronger, and then once you have that feeling, be able to pull that up when you need to, but bring it down so that you know that this applies to any relationship in the future. It applies to regenerating the relationship you have. And obviously it's a two-way street. It has to be two people who want the same thing. That's fine too. But in a relationship now, do it for yourself and have the other person do it if they are ready and willing or if you want to recharge. Talk about the first date with loving memories. As a, as a little space. Have a date about the first date. Right? Have a conversation about the first date and make it a moment where you talk about it and reminisce and laugh. The closeness of that will come back and then send the energy down into the ground, into the earth, so that you're actually anchored in it. And it's a more calmer sort of feeling rather than the spikiness and the neediness and the addictiveness that we have to, to wanting more and more and more of that. All right? So sure, reach out and find those beautiful feelings but ground them. Right? Now, if you find that, that you've got emotional attachments or stuff from old relationships, then it's time to process them. And what might happen when you get into your relationship, a new relationship, is it all comes up. They do stuff and you want them to stop it. 
first of all, process your own stuff, but do it internally. So I know as a woman, oh my goodness, you know, the emotions that, that come through us and the millions of thoughts in our heads and you know, sometimes it's like being in Terminator 2 and Sarah Connor is there blaming men for everything. And it's just like, I'm not causing, you know, like this mayhem. As opposed to just work on it yourself. Get the emotion and then identify the actual feeling that you can. So I so narrow it down and get some of those. So it could be abandonment. It could be rejection. It could be... Uh, feeling alone, you name whatever phrase or emotion or reaction you can pull up that you're experiencing as this goes through, go away. And and then imagine that you can take that emotion and put it in a room and personify yourself doing it as you watch it and then open up a portal, that's vacuum portal that sucks it all out. Once it's acted itself out, suck it all out, clean out the room, let it go right to the center of the universe. All right, let that reaction just go. And then once it's gone, you can just thank life, thank the universe for receiving all of that for all the generations, all the ancestors, all the descendants, here now through any time, space, or dimension, through your body, through your mind, through your consciousness, so that you are free to be and you have a space now for more love. So what I've just described is a speed-shifting technique. And it's really useful, and the key to it is to, to, to notice that you're in reaction, to stop and identify it with words. Make sure that you're identifying some part of it and then send it into a space that you can then send off to be completed and received and then transmuted. It just gets transmuted once you do that. And if you spin it, it does help. It's like a, a way of allowing for it to go spinning you know, down a vacuum vortex to the center of the universe to be transmuted back cleared and cleaned and started again as free, as love, as the space for more love. And then you're free too. So it gets freed and your body is not carrying these vibrations. It's a very powerful technique. I use it regularly when I'm standing in front of someone and, and, you know, certainly my ex, there were many times where I used speed shifting where he's looking at me and I'm just looking at him and I'm not reacting because I'm speed shifting that stuff. And what happens is not... It's not that you're suppressing anything. It's that you're actually clearing a space so that you can then respond, so that you can then put your boundaries in there, so that you can then make a statement about um, what you want, what you need, uh, what you expect. So this this part of it, once you get that out of the way, is not the, the seeking first to understand part about them. This is them, you know, doing something and you've got a reaction that's, coming up and it's obviously from multiple times and you've had enough okay well there's something you can do rather than react and certainly rather than react in the same old way they push your buttons you react like a robot no what you could do is actually look at that that reaction that comes up and separate yourself from it put it in there let it go and then it gets processed and then you get to 
be calmer. And sometimes it's like you can just go, hmm, and then walk away. <laughs> it really helps. It really helps sometimes to not, that when they can't do their stuff on you and they just suddenly, they're with somebody who doesn't respond the old way and, they, and they're done too. So you can actually start to hear what the real issue is or the real request is from them rather than um, it being in a repetitive cycle. It's very powerful for us to do that. Okay, so, so the, key, the key points for today's show, I just want to, to go over again, and that is when you're, when you're ready for a new relationship or you're in a new relationship or you want to regenerate the newness of a relationship, what you need to do is make sure that you know your values, that you're, you're taking care of them, okay, and that you're regenerating from a strong foundation, that you are taking the energy and sending it of, of love and excitement and sending it down into the ground so that you are grounded in your love, in your original source of love itself, which isn't a person. It is a relationship with love itself and that's within you. The relationship with love itself within you as the original source will give you that regeneration. And it can be from nothing. You can start all over again. All right? Or a new relationship where you're creating these new special moments and you protect them. Okay? And the last part, just to follow, is to do some speed shifting on the reactions, on the feelings that are out of control so that you don't do a Sarah Connor from Terminator 2 on on everybody around you and just do a freak out um, you, that you can actually process the emotions and let them flow and go and then you can come with a, a response with, that are, that's serving your values, that are serving your boundaries because you don't have to put up with stuff and tolerate stuff that is unacceptable but you have to process it to be able to then come to it. So look, my name is Laurie Mitchell. I thank you very much for listening and sharing this, this uh, show with me. It's wonderful to be back to, um, to share with you about At the Speed of Love. Thanks so much, and you have a fabulous week.